welcome to the Defender Podcast, a resource to help mobilize and equip the body of Christ to manifest the gospel to orphans and vulnerable children. This podcast is a ministry of Lifeline Children's Services, and I'm your host, Herbie Newell. All right, so today is August 23rd, 2023. I'm Rick Morton, and this is the Defender Podcast. Well, welcome again to this episode of the Defender Podcast. Uh, we are in what we know as the dog days of summer. It's hot, and uh, and and we are uh, preparing for, or uh, or maybe have just sent kids back to school and are beginning to to get back to normal, kind of that normal rhythm of life as schools in session. But uh, but we're still experiencing um, kind of the the last uh, gasp of of summer and uh and today we've got a we've got a fun um a fun opportunity i'm going to get an opportunity to sit down with and talk with my friend jose salazar jose is a part of la reforma church in guatemala city guatemala he is um is an orphan care advocate and uh, is somebody that uh, that i've come to know and love over the years uh, that is a dear brother in Christ, but also a dear brother in in the the fight to care for orphan and vulnerable children well. And so uh, hang in with us and we're going to talk. We are uh, this month getting ready for uh, the run for one. And so just here in a, in a short couple of weeks, September 9th, we will have our annual run for one. And so you can gather with family and friends either here in Birmingham as a part of our organized run, or you can run with us through the run where you are option. Um, and so this is a, a 5K road race that raises funds for vulnerable children, women and families around the globe. Every bit of the proceeds of this uh, this run and this event support unadopted. Um, and as um, and really, we today we're, we want to talk to to Jose in particular because uh, part of our unadopted ministry is the partnership that we at Lifeline have with Somos. And so we're going to talk specifically about how partnership with Lifeline has uh, has helped and has come alongside. Uh, the 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 church there in Guatemala City and and really the way that they're able to be influential all around the world as a result of what God's doing. But you can be a part of that and you can join us. All you have to do is go to run for one five K dot org. That's run for F O R the word run for one. Spell it out O N E run for one five k.org or you can just look in the show notes um and so i'm excited to as i said to have my friend jose salazar uh, here he and his family live in guatemala city um for more than 15 years he has been advocating for vulnerable kids including working in orphanages fostering family reunifications orphan prevention um, but the thing that I want you to know most about my brother is that his passion stems from the gospel. Um, he's passionate about serving through the local church and serves with Reforma Church and, and with the, their ministry, Somos, in Guatemala. 
Um, Somos is a is is really a significant organization that the Lord has raised up um, to care for orphans in Guatemala. Uh, provides Somos provides training for government officials, for other organizations, for for mentors, um, for foster and adoptive families, and and Jose. Um, works in mobilization to bring all of those people together um, in order to to be about the work of caring for vulnerable children in the name of Jesus. And and so I am so delighted, my brother, that you are joining us on the podcast. Thank you for for coming on and being part of the Defender podcast. No, thank you, Rick. It's a great joy for me to be able to share this time with you guys. And um, yeah, I'm looking forward to our conversation. Yeah, well, we, um, you know, we we have become incredible fans of the ministry of Somos. And and I think one of the things that has um, that has really drawn us and and galvanized our hearts to yours is 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 the fact that um, that Somos is a ministry that is grounded in the local church. And and it, and it really is 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 honestly and I, I say this it's one of the healthiest ministries from that perspective that i think i've encountered anywhere around the world and so uh, maybe to start if could you just share a little bit about somos and about the work that you do in guatemala and just kind of give the folks that are listening a little bit of a picture of of your ministry to have the i mean to even to imagine to have this conversation of what somos has been doing uh, it's God's grace. Uh, we never thought uh, that God was going to use this initiative to magnify his name and serve the local church. I mean, we gather uh, uh, as people, uh, even before I came in, uh, a small group of people just joined together and said, what can we do? And out of that, God has been uh, uh, showing us uh, each step, uh, what is it that he wants his church to do. And that's where us almost comes in and, and uh, we spend some time praying and seeking God. So what is it that, I mean, this is growing. And uh, what is it, God, that you want us to do? And uh, we really want to equip uh, God's people uh, to care for vulnerable people. Uh, uh, we really want to see that church engage in, in this area of intervening in these hard places and be able to be the uh, ministry of reconciliation uh, to people that have uh, uh, suffered a lot. So uh, we love the church. Uh, greatly. Uh, we want to serve it and uh, we want to put our resources to the church that could be used in their own context to for, for them to be able to move in the direction that God wants them to move. So uh, we're grateful for what God has been doing through Somos and the partnerships that he has allowed us to, to have. I mean, it's incredible. And I mean, we credit all to God. I mean, our pastors uh, from the very top up, very uh, uh, supportive uh, of uh, of uh, Somos. I mean, they're constantly pouring into us as well. Uh, and uh, something funny about our church is that you really don't hear much about the vulnerable, but you really hear every time about the gospel. Uh, and that's something that God has used to be able to use Somos for what it is right now. The gospel is sustaining us. Yeah, I love that, that, that the preoccupation is with the gospel. And and Somos is just an outgrowth of of a body of people that are that are captivated by the gospel and just looking for practical ways to apply the gospel in in the world around them. And uh, and that sounds really simple, Mm -hmm. (laughs) but it's pretty profound in a world where we kind of miss that sometimes. And and so I 
that's that's been one of the fun things as I've learned about your ministry and kind of learned about what it is that God's doing is that there there really is there really is a simplicity mm-hmm. to things in in the fact that while Somos may have a lot of different outlets and a lot of different ways of doing ministry, there's just a really profound simplicity. This is just this is just about people that have been you know made over by Jesus that are trying to apply that same gospel story into the lives of people in the community who who need to hear it. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So, Jose, I, I think maybe, you know, maybe one of the things to kind of give people an accurate picture or to to give an accurate understanding of, of the ministry that the Lord's given you is to to understand a little bit about the needs of, of orphans in Guatemala. And so maybe kind of talk about the conditions or the the opportunity of orphan care, you know, in, in Guatemala. Um, and, and, you know, what are the, what are the, the, what are the needs that are presenting themselves in the community? And, and mm-hmm. then how, how has the Lord led uh, Somos as a, as a ministry of the church to, to step in? That's a big mouthful, but that's, mm-hmm. but, but maybe, you know, give us a, give us an essence of, of like what it is that you do. Sure, sure. And uh, I have to take you back to memory lane because I think history informs us of <laughs> our present. I mean, I cannot talk about the present without acknowledging our past. In uh, right. 2007, 2007 uh, our adoption processes uh, internationally got shut down uh, right. from one moment to the other. Uh, the Hague Treat, uh, Convention came in, uh, adoptions were shut down permanently on 2018, but we were reaching high numbers of international adoption. Then 2017, we, we picked our highest from 5,500 kids that were sent out uh, into adoption. Uh, and then you move forward uh, 10 years and we went down to zero. Uh, so that's yeah. a huge, huge uh, difference. And uh, there was a lot of corruption going on and uh, that's what uh, uh, they have to come in. But that left orphanage overflowing. I mean, from 5,500 kids that were being sent out in international adoptions to suddenly stop, uh, orphanages were overflowing and uh, people yep. didn't know what to do. And uh, that created a huge chaos uh, because now you don't have people going into families. You just have tons and tons and tons of kids just staying. Uh, uh, you know, our, our government didn't know what to do. I mean, the, it, I, I see that it was necessary to shut down but uh, there wasn't a plan B. What do we do with this kid? So uh, that informs us a lot on how the orphanage have been struggling since 2007, uh, how to answer to this call. And then uh, on 2017, we had this uh, fire in the government uh, orphanage where uh, 41, year, uh, 41 girls die uh, between 14 and 17. Uh, that's uh, also a huge part of our history because that allowed, although it was very sad, but allowed uh, foster care to rise up uh, because nobody mm-hmm. was talking about foster care. I mean, they didn't, I mean, it existed, but nobody knew what it was. Uh, even the government, I was like, it's there, but it's not there. I mean, we don't know what to do. So uh, mm-hmm. out of that fire, uh, that create a huge concern for the way kids were being uh, taken care of, allow 
some changes in our government. And now we have foster care since 2017. So it's a brand new thing. So these pieces of history that I give you inform us of what the orphan crisis uh, we have here in Guatemala. I mean, we have tons of kids still not going to families, orphanage that are overflowing uh, with the amount of kids and, and maybe aging out and being sent out, which creates a huge uh, problem for the kids because it's been institutionalized for a lot of years and then they don't have a family to go to at the end. So it's been a really hard thing to see throughout the years. But uh, uh, one of the needs that uh, that we see daily is uh, the need for the local church to intervene. I mean, we need the local mm. church to be able to participate. And I mean, the, the history that I gave you just a minute ago informs us of, of what the reality of the local church was. Out of those many, many years of international adoption, the local church had no role in it. I mean, all the kids were going out and Guatemalans that wanted to adopt didn't really have the fair opportunity to do so because it was a lot better for those people that were managing the adoptions to send them out and uh, not to have locals adopt. So that created a chaos that we still dealing with it, that adoptions are difficult. And although things have changed, people still have that history in the back of their mind. So there has to be a lot of education and and just informing people that things have changed. And uh, I mean, still struggling, but if things have changed. And uh, uh, so there's a need to education. There's a need for the local church to intervene. Uh, There's a need for understand uh, trauma and how kids are being affected by it because then we're just having uh, caregivers frustrated but for behaviors that they don't understand and then just uh, it's a lot easier to get uh, mad at the kid and without understanding the reason why the kid is angry and I mean if you really stop and look I mean they've been separating from their culture community family mm-hmm. and they've been placed into this orphanage where those that part of their story is not being acknowledged. It's just like, we're going to give you food, education, which are good things, but uh, allowing them to process uh, that traumatic event that took place, that removed them from the family. I think we need to intervene in those areas. I mean, we need to be able to uh, help biological families. Yeah, go ahead, Rick. Yeah, no, so I was just going to say, but just like, just to frame up the problem of the, of the things that you that you've just said. So first of all, you, you have a system that, that was built um, that kind of kept this out of out of the forefront of the minds of of people in Guatemala. You know, and, and I think that's true when you look around the world at at different countries where the church is really not the central answer in, you know, in the orphan care crisis. One of the things that we see is that there's something going on that kind of lets the church feel like somebody else is taking care of the issue. Mm -hmm. And so, you know, so what you described about international adoption being kind of that, you know, being that primary way that, that visibly the kids were being taken care of. And so you have that and you have orphanages and it's like, well, yeah, the problem, problems taken care of. And, and so the church is able to kind of relax a little bit and say, mm-hmm. you know, that's, that's somebody else's issue. Um, and, and, and just, but man, honestly, by God's grace, that even a difficult circumstance, like the end of adoption with no plan, mm-hmm. <laughs> you know, it wasn't like, it wasn't like adoptions in Guatemala tapered off over years. It was there one day and it wasn't there the next. Mm-hmm. And, and so the crisis that came as a result of that, um, 
like you couldn't you couldn't not see it right mm -hmm. it was mm -hmm. it was immediate mm -hmm. um and then and then on top of that to have something like this fire um, which again is is a horrible tragedy but how god even uses an awful tragedy like that for his purposes to wake the church up you know to to this idea but then you guys step into like you you see that problem and you step into something where there's a there's a whole there's a whole lifestyle and a whole yeah. culture built around um believing some lies or believing some untruths about the difficulty of adoption about you know the whether foster care is even a good thing um you know kids are too difficult because of the trauma that they faced all those things i mean you 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 really point out some some important kinds of things but the truth is somos has been able to engage the church in a way to just break down those barriers mm -hmm. right yeah and and, and yeah. so talk about how you guys leaned into that and about how how you've taken down some of those barriers yeah and and i think uh, i mean I, I was part of a pro that problem i mean i remember when i first heard about the theology of adoption and how god adopted us i was like man you're stretching it uh you know i, I don't really see that in scripture you know like I, I didn't know i mean the only thing i knew was that orphanage orphans belong in orphanages that's the only right. thing i knew so when i started hearing about this this theology of adoption and the gospel and how god adopted us i was like I struggle with that, to be honest. I was like, uh -uh. I was like, yeah. this, you're forcing it. And then uh, people uh, started showing me more. I mean, Ephesians has been crucial for me in my understanding mm. and now how I respond to the needs of the vulnerable because I was that vulnerable at one point and God rescued me and right. adopted into his family. So I think going back to the gospel and just sharing what God has done, uh, you know, for us and how he has adopted us into his family so when, when we look at a different when when we're working with churches or our own church uh sharing about how god adopted us has been transforming uh and uh it's a different i mean a different aspect of the gospel that we had not heard before and uh, now we're hearing it and uh, it's through his word that he's revealing these things to us. Like, why we never heard this before. You know, churches weren't preaching about this. There wasn't a need because everybody was leaving the country. So uh, there wasn't a need. So now right. that we have the issue, God is taking us back to scripture. And I was like, look, uh, this is not a new thing. You know, this is not a new thing. So uh, God is allowing us to be able to work in our own lives and for us to mm -hmm. be able to love our adoption and don't be embarrassed by it. And from that point, move towards other churches and share the same story. We just mm -hmm. storytellers, story just telling people, uh, open your Bible, sitting with them, look at this. Let us explain it uh, to how God says it. What do you think this means to you? How can we help you understand this as a church and, uh, and embrace it little by little? You know, we meet people where they are. Uh, I think we respond daily out of the information that we have that, in that mm -hmm. moment. So as much as we give people information, scripture, resources, uh, people are going to start responding. It's not that the church doesn't want to respond. It's they just being out of the equation for so long mm. that uh, mm. that now we're bringing them back. Like you have a role to play on this. And it's not just because I said so. It's because God says so. he established his church for right. that 
purpose, you know? So, uh, so we've been able to serve other churches, not even here in Guatemala, but in Latin America. Uh, we've been able to serve our government. I mean, uh, we've been offering trainings. Uh, we train uh, uh, the foster families that they have uh, uh, sign up and taking kids. And we're, we're training these families. We're training the psychologists and social workers. And it's been interesting because a lot of professionals uh, from the government and just people that have their own practices outside said they don't teach us this at school. We don't, mm. we never heard about trauma attachment disorder and all these things that uh, uh, when you're involved with uh, vulnerable people that you see daily and you don't know how to respond to those needs. So uh, we're able to bring uh, science into it. We've been equipping ourselves and, uh, mm-hmm. and to share that information with other people. So let me be clear just to make sure that folks are following and, and understand what, you know, what's happening with you guys. So first of all, like it's it's incredibly noteworthy to me that this didn't start honestly because of the need. It started just as a response to the gospel. And it's really it's about discipleship mm-hmm. before it's about orphan care. Mm-hmm. Um, and and I just I want to acknowledge that because I think that's been one of the fun things in, in getting to know you all and understanding, you know, just what it is that God's doing that the reason I believe that this is spreading and, and that other churches are, are becoming involved, because the thing that we haven't said yet is, is there's something transformative that's happening in Latin America. Mm-hmm. It, it's and, it, and in large part, Guatemala has been one of the sparks for that. And and what's really cool about this is, is it's not this is not a bunch of people that woke up one day and looked at child welfare and said, there's a crisis in child welfare. This was a bunch of people that woke up and looked at the gospel mm-hmm. and said, and said, let's understand, let's understand who we are in Christ more. And one of the implications of who we are in Christ is that we are the, that we've been adopted into the family of God. And that has to mean something in who we are and, and in how we, how we live life and how we engage the world. And so then acting like adopted children, <laughs> mm-hmm. you know, children that are that are that are now a part of the family of God. Soma started to look at its community or, or reform a church, started to look at the community and say, like, how do we do this? Well, how, like, how do we take the gospel meaningfully in our community? Well, one of the groups of people that need to know are our kids that are in need of care and in some cases in need of adoption or they're mm-hmm. in need of temporary care and foster care. So we can identify with that. Let's go, let's go step in and begin to do some things about it. And then this, this thing of saying, you know, this whole idea of, of trauma care, trauma informed care, you know, the, the, like doing that. And I think sometimes, and, and Jose, I, 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 be interested to hear even the journey, you know, maybe just a snippet of, of how this has worked for y'all. I think sometimes in the church, this can be one of the places where it's a little difficult because, because there is, there's a lot of science around and, and a lot of, mm-hmm. um, you know, the, a lot of neuroscience in particular around trauma and how it affects us and how, you know, how trauma changes our development and all those things. 
but I think I think as believers, we we sort of hear that and sometimes we're a little skeptical of science you know we're a little skeptical of the of the observations that people make and the conclusions that they reach but i think i think what we see but looking at it in a very healthy way what we understand that fundamentally the kind of trauma that we're talking about with kids that have come from hard places is that the things that god designed to happen the things that god designed to be part of their growth and their development and and their and their sense of safety and security, what the family is supposed to bring. Mm-hmm. These kids have been deprived of at a fundamental level. And we understand that that's not just the observation of a scientist. That's that's an observation that that's something that God designed hasn't mm-hmm. happened and has been broken by sin. And so we, of course, know that there has to be a consequence mm-hmm. when 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 God's design has been broken. And, and so all of this that you've that you've learned and you continue to learn and that you continue to press into is not just a quest to to try to fix the problems that are wrong with children. It's a quest to honor the creator and to honor the created order and and to and to understand what to do when that has when that has been broken and that has been dishonored. And so just connecting the dots for people that that's that's where the passion comes from yeah. in Reforma Church wanting to step in and help people to know how to do this well. It ultimately is something that's really about honoring, you know, honoring God as our our creator. And I'm just curious about about how like when did it become obvious to you? as a ministry that that was a piece that the church really needed to step into and and needed to champion. Yeah. And I think, uh, uh, yeah, God made it really clear. I mean, when you're constantly talking about the gospel, by the grace of God, you come to realize that the gospel is not something that you do, but it's something that has been done for you. And mm-hmm. then you respond to the gospel, you know, because it will be easy to say that all these things is like the gospel moves us forward, but, but it's, and yes, it does in some way, but it's something that has been done for us. So if I don't come to that conclusion, uh, I quickly put myself above other people. And we say at our church at the foot of the cross, the ground is level. And, and we all need a savior. We don't we don't talk about them and us. It's just all together. Uh, we're in desperate need of a savior daily. And uh, and I can't remember who said, but it's just I'm on, I'm a beggar telling another beggar where to find food, <laughs> and, and that's basically what we're doing. And also understanding our own our own human nature. If we think that we can do this in our own, we will fail and hurt a lot of people. Mm-hmm. Uh, our good intentions are not good enough. We need the gospel to be able to sustain it. We need His Spirit to guide us. Uh, we need His Word to inform us. And we need to continue to go back to it. So uh, we take it very ser- seriously not to tell people to go do something without understanding the gospel first. And we can never assume that someone already understands the gospel. We make sure. doesn't matter how many years you've been at church. doesn't matter. Uh, one of our first conversations is, what is the gospel? Uh, what does it say? Because if we don't understand that, and uh, we're not, ha- not going to have a solid foundation where to stand on because things are going to get hard. Uh, I'm a foster parent. And uh, 
things get hard and I need the gospel and I need my church to support me um, because there's days that I just don't know how to pray. Uh, you know, the frustration, uh, my sense of justice just rises up and I get angry and I need to go back to the gospel. I need to be able to go back and, and, and allow people to take me back. Because sometimes I'm, I'm, I could be too cynic, uh, like, and I cannot see hope. And I need people to remind me of the hope and, and to remind me of where I have put my faith. So uh, we use ourselves. I, I mean, we wouldn't go to other churches. The first conversation is how the gospel transforms us and how the gospel sustains us and how the gospel moves us out. Uh, without that, and we always go back to it. We always go back to it. And uh, I think that's one of the things that God has used. Uh, he sustains us. And we, and we know that he will sustain anyone else. Uh, that puts their faith and trust on that, on God. And you talk about going, you know, going to other churches. I mean, that's that's part of the story as well. That that because of what God began to do in Reforma Church, and because of what began to happen in Guatemala City as as a result of the church getting engaged, the the church was raising up adoptive families. The church was raising up foster families. The church was wrapping around those families and supporting them well. Um, the church was beginning to learn and then to teach about trauma and, and about the effects of trauma. And, and, and then that gave a platform to, to begin to share those things, even with the government Mm-hmm. And, and to, you know, to, to do that in collaboration. And so God began to do all of this just incredible stuff in your own church. And then pretty soon um, other churches came knocking on your door to mm-hmm. say, hey, we see we see God doing something there. How can we do that? And and, and churches were curious because of the because of the level of gospel of gospel engagement that was happening in the community around this. And so they wanted, they wanted to know how to replicate it. And that's part of the story of Somos, right? That you've, mm-hmm. you've been able to take this and plant it in, and not only in your own nation, but really um, all over Latin America, people have been influenced in, in beginning ministries in their own community and the church living out the gospel in this way. And so, so when you say that about, hey, we, we lead with the gospel, you lead with the gospel when you're going into these other churches, helping them to think about how they do, you know, how they might do orphan care in, in their own community. And so, so maybe, you know, maybe talk about how the churches in the region are getting involved and, and then how, how churches, people that are listening to us here in the U.S., how churches in the U.S. can, can join in and get involved and help the work that the Lord's given you to do. Mm, yeah. And I think one, uh, one of the things is uh, the way that we describe church might not be the correct way that the church <laughs> is, you know, so we have made church into a program that fits into our schedule. So going to other churches is talking about that, those things. I mean, at our church, at reforma, we say we're, we're not an event that we go to. We are a community that we belong to. So that's a, a gospel-informed way of living, that we're committed to our, our family of faith. We're not going to an event. I mean, that's our nature, and that's what we want. 
but we're committing ourselves to live in community uh, mm. with our family of believers. So when we go to other churches, is do that. Don't uh, we don't we don't value programs more than people. You know, we value people more than programs. And uh, that's what yeah. we're telling people, because I think we've been doing church in a way that uh, that has created a huge problem for us. So uh, by not living the way we should be living our faith, you know, uh, so uh, uh, inviting other churches to it is like, uh, you know, get together with other people. And as you men- mentioned before, uh, discipleship, we have we have ruined discipleship in what it means and, and, and what it does. You just turn it into this program of A lessons, and then you get a title, <laughs> a title, and then you're like, okay, you're, you know, and, and it's a, a, being a disciple is being a follower of Christ. And we can never stop that. We will never graduate until God calls us home. Uh, so a disciple is someone that is always learning. And uh, so when we're talking about this, it's like uh, we, we minimize mentorship as the last thing that you can do. And it's not true. I think adoption, foster care, and mentoring, that they have this key uh, essence that is rooted on discipleship and walking mm-hmm. alongside people uh, uh, through their circumstances. So uh, we want to encourage churches uh, to live that way is hard because I mean, it's hard dealing with people because we're hard. I mean, they're sending us. We haven't been glorified yet. We're difficult people. But if we continue to run, run to the cross and put our faith on, on Christ, we will find ways to love each other, care for each other, serve each other, forgive each other. Uh, you know, just like uh, Catholics and Philippians do, you know, have that mindset of Christ. Uh, that having everything he 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 let it all down and, and humble himself. Uh, so that always helps me uh, to be able to encourage other churches on on not creating another ministry within their church, but to create a relationship where you care for each other uh, within the church. Because then, whatever you do outside of that, wherever direction God moves you, is going to be sustained. Uh, but by those relationships and you know uh especially for men uh, i think it's hard to have uh men relationships uh, deep mm-hmm. relationships uh where we can confess our sins and 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 we uh, be accountable to one another it's like we have this macho idea that we don't need uh that you know the we can figure all out on our own. And honestly, that's not what my wife needs. That's not what my kids need. That's not what my foster kids need. And that's not what my church of my community and my neighbor needs. Uh, they need someone that is running to Christ day and night, apologizing and asking for forgiveness when it's needed and that they see me running to the cross as well. So uh, that's what we want to, to do. Uh, and we want other people to come alongside and uh and we believe that the latin american church is responding uh i mean there's has there's been a huge amount of opportunities that we have to share uh and people are listening and they want to do things and they just don't know how so to be able to sit down with them and just kind of give it we don't create a model that is 100 percent duplicable for them because we understand that they all have their own context and their time in history plays a huge role in it so for us is to allow them to understand uh, and to look at their communities, the needs of their communities, and how they could respond to them. So, for example, here in Guatemala, you move from within five miles, and you have kids from gangers, from gangs. You have 
uh, kids from prostitution another five miles away and you have kids at risk uh, uh, with drug cartels. Uh, so you, the church is going to intervene different in all those cases. Uh, and that's what we want to able to allow them to do, you know? So uh, I think that, uh, uh, so did that answer uh, the question? Absolutely. I, and I think, I think that's the key is this isn't a set of programs. It's not, it's not a, it's not a structure that you can put in a box and, and sort of hand from one church to another. It's, it's a way of life and, and a, and, and a, and a set of, a set of priorities that a church has to figure out then how to, how to live and how to structure itself. And, and it's, and it's really all built on, it's really all built on the idea of, of discipleship. You talked about mentorship in, in there and, you know, and, and really, you know, discipleship is, is mentorship with the gospel at the center of it, right? Like it's, mm-hmm. yep. mm-hmm. it's nothing more than people investing, you know, um, what, you know, what they, what they know and, and the experience and the wisdom that they've gained in, into others. And, and, and that becomes part of the DNA of the church. And I, I think, you know, I, I, this is a word I don't use very often. I, w- I want to clarify but as I've watched what is what is happening around orphan care in Latin America, it, it feels like revival. Mm-hmm. It feels like God's people seeing God in, in a fresh and new way and God doing something qualitatively different among his people. And it can't be it can't be sort of explained in terms of a program or a set of actions. It's, it's God, it's God moving in a way that, that we, we haven't seen him move before. And, and the ultimate, you know, the ultimate reason for that is that God is, is shining a light on the gospel story mm-hmm. and God is bringing glory to himself through the things that he's doing in his church. And so I, I don't, I don't use the word revival very often because I think it's, because I think it's that, you know, special and, and rare thing when we see God move that way. But I do think God is, God is reviving his people and there's something happening in Latin America that honestly we're praying that the Lord will begin to take the things that are happening there and, and spread them to the rest of the globe in, you know, in, in many respects. And I think we're, I think we're seeing that. So a couple of, a couple of last questions. One, just um, as, as we've begun to work together um, with, with Lifeline coming alongside Somos and, and, and working with your ministry, um, Talk a little bit about that partnership and and maybe ways that we've been able to come alongside and help to um, to, to be part of what it is that God's doing there. Yeah, and I think from one of the first conversations uh, we had, uh, we quickly realized that we were on the same page. I mean, we we have a passion for the gospel, <laughs> we have a passion for the local church, and we wanted to mobilize the church to help the vulnerable and. Uh, it was clear to us that we were on the same page. And as we also, we have seen you uh, be faithful to scripture and stick to it no matter what. 
uh, no minimizing or water down the gospel. And that's something that we value as well. And uh, we've seen you do uh, uh, trainings about our adoption or other areas that we can help through the lens of the gospel and scripture rooted. And that's something that we value as well. And those are things that uh, that for us is like, wow, uh, very encouraging to have uh, the support and the partnership that we have with you guys, because that's where God has led us to. Uh, and that's right. non-negotiable for us. And, you know, to be able to come with you guys and, and, and have that same mindset that uh, we want to see the church of Christ uh, shine and glorify his Savior. Um, you know, that's something that, uh, that, that we value a lot. And one of the ways that, uh, uh, you have helped us is like, uh, we have a uh, monthly calls. We were able to grow together. Uh, you have mm-hmm. created a beautiful, not just, this is not a transaction, but it's a relationship. And, uh, that's something that we value. We see in the way that you care for the, your organization and for those outside of the organization, uh, the way that you value their context and their work and uh, you provide resources so they can continue to do what they're doing and uh mm-hmm. and that's something that uh is sad uh but we're not every organization is on the same page of that uh you yeah. have this savior uh complex that we're going to come and save and 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 do those things and and but the approach is humility and seeking god and and allowing him to bring us to where he's already been working and allowed that to create those uh, beautiful uh, partnership and we have beautiful relationships uh, with uh, Lifeline. I mean, uh, uh, where people are not just care about what we do, but as a person, you know, people praying mm-hmm. for me for, especially like being a foster parent and, and having mm-hmm. to say goodbye to my foster kid in a few weeks, I have people praying for me, you know? Right. Uh, there's something that right. I do uh, with my church, but there's something that I do as a person with my family as well. And to mm-hmm. have that connection as well, uh, that just, as I said before, value people over programs. And uh, that's yeah. something that has been modeled and uh, it's been done uh, to us. I mean, uh, uh, Paola was able to be able to go to the global event and to be able to learn and share. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, it's, uh, it's, uh, it's a beautiful thing that God is doing through this partnership uh and uh and uh us especially for a church the way that you guys have supported us is to be able to hire somebody uh within our somos team that could care for adoption foster families and we have something that is called um recurso comunitario which is uh is no biological family but someone from the community that steps in Kind of like kinship, mm-hmm. I think it is. Uh, yeah. So we have yeah, a yeah. few families like that in our home, in our church. And uh, so now we have Natty, uh, which is the person that came in and is able to serve mm-hmm. all these families. And uh, so we are able to have someone that is investing as a foster family. We have uh, uh, received those benefits of having that person yeah. uh, just pouring into our lives and mobilizing our church to be able to uh, pray for us bring meals to us, uh, fear mm-hmm. stuff out. I mean, uh, stepping into vulnerable children and the aspect that uh, always has me confused is how you deal with the government. Uh, you know, uh, <laughs> I, I, I'm, I'm a very easy laid back guy. And I remember my first time going into a court hearing and just treating like the judge like, you know, hey buddy, how are you doing? 
And then I like, I didn't know. And, and then I have everybody else. It's like, sure, sure. I was like, oh man. So I, you know, I learned by example. So anyway, so uh, 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 it's a funny story, but uh, by the grace of that's God, hilarious. <laughs> that's hilarious. Well, but but I think you know one of the one of the privileges that we've had is to come alongside and that because because the ministry that God has given Lifeline as a as a parachurch ministry with you know full of social workers and counselors and and people who have expertise in this area the Lord has allowed us to build a lot of resources and a lot of things that are that are useful to churches um and and so it's been it's been fun for us honestly to to take many of those things and to be able to to share those things with somos and then to see what you've been able to do with them and how you've been able to 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 make them fit in in the context in guatemala in the particular communities that you're, you know, that you're, that you're serving and that you're trying to reach. And, but the thing, the part of what's made it work so, so beautifully is that common understanding of the gospel and that common understanding of the church. And so there, there are things that need cultural, like, cultural translation and and need adaptation but the thing that doesn't need to be adapted is is the central thing uh-huh. <laughs> the heart of it all mm-hmm. and and the heart that's been built behind it and and I know you know it's it's just it's funny because even you know even as we've grown this relationship and we've gotten to know you know we've gotten to know y'all better and and have have gone farther it's it's just it's more and more like family um mm-hmm. because because we are family because there's mm-hmm. that there's that common you know common bond in Christ that just really makes it easy um mm-hmm. and and it doesn't mean that we always see things exactly the same way um but but what we what we do is is we share a basis that the most important things are are the most important things, and so that's that's always a that's just an easy and comforting way, you know, to be able to work. Well, last last question because we are, you know, we started off the episode talking about the run for one and and the fact that you know September the 9th we're having this this five k um, you know run that is happening here. It's also mm-hmm. happening. Um, really all around the world because of the, because of the run for, you know, run where you are aspect of it. And, and the whole point behind that, that race and the people that register for it is they, they, the, their registration fee for the run will help us to build resources and provide for partnerships like the one that we have with Somos. And so if if you were telling a friend why they should sign up for the run or why they should be a part of this or why they should partner with Lifeline in order to be a, a, a part of this work, what would you tell them? Uh, one is um, we always are presented with opportunities and opportunities to help. And uh, I think uh, 
one of the most exciting things and what we love Lifeline so much is that uh, small churches in Latin America are hearing a different voice and are able to uh, receive uh, training and education uh, uh, that would allow them to respond to the gospel in a healthy and a profound way. Um, so as there's many ways that we can invest our money, I think this is a healthy way that we can honor God and his church and mobilize it uh, throughout Latin America. And I think uh, that's a beautiful thing. And it goes back to uh, what we have made out of the church. Uh, this run uh, would allow for churches to understand what's their God-given role in their communities and what God-given talents he has uh, filled up those churches that could serve their communities. So now uh, churches are presented with the opportunity of working on preservation, on restoration, uh, uh, within their local context. And that's something that, uh, that uh, we need more. I mean, there's tons of information in English, but if you don't have that, uh, that ability to be able to go into the internet and read or understand English, you're missing a lot. And there's not so much mm -hmm. in Spanish. So what mm -hmm. Lifeline is being able to provide even the platform in Spanish that allows churches to be able to go through and, and, and work through this uh, gospel-rooted aspects of the Christian life that will give them the, the guideline on how to respond. Uh, we need more of that. Uh, we need yeah. more videos uh, uh, that share uh, with uh, about this good news uh, where people can identify and that we have to take in context where we live. Everything is on a video now and on a phone. Uh, so we need more mm -hmm. information that can be translated and shared with people and put it in people's hands and churches' hands uh, so they could have it. So uh, for you to be able to join this room will mean a lot. I mean, the impacts of how God could use this are limited, uh, unlimited, I mean. And, uh, and uh, you may not hear of all those stories, but we have seen uh, uh, churches being able to say, oh, I heard this before from uh, this video, uh, you know, and where Lifeline came in and share uh, this. And uh, it just happened in Chile uh, last year. I just uh, <laughs> I heard you break in the Dominican Republic uh, last year. And just to come and support these local churches that are wanting and they have the desire uh, to be able to participate on the Ministry of Reconciliation. So I, I think uh, this is a healthy organization that will invest on people, not in programs. And uh, that's something that uh, um, should consider and value and pray about it. I mean, they may God, God use you uh, to bless uh, uh, the local family uh, around the globe. Wow. Jose Salazar, I love you. I'm thankful for you. I'm thankful for the yeah. ministry that the Lord's given you and for all of our friends at Reforma Church and Somos. And man, thanks for thanks for taking the time to join us and to be to be part of the Defender Podcast today. Thank you. Appreciate you guys. Thanks for listening to the Defender Podcast. If you enjoy making this podcast a part of your weekly routine, we'd love for you to take a moment to subscribe, rate, and review the Defender Podcast to make it easier for more people to find. For more information on how you and your church can partner with Lifeline, visit us at lifelinechild.org. If you want to connect with me, please visit herbienewell.com. 
follow us at Lifeline on Facebook, Instagram, or Twitter by searching for Lifeline Child. You can email us directly at info at lifelinechild.org. Beloved, will you allow God to use the gospel through you to impact the life of a child? Please contact us because we are here to defend the fatherless. We'll see you again next week for the Defender Podcast.